0: Let's drop the green flag on this episode of
1: the Talent Tank Podcast with your host, Wyatt Pemberton, bringing you the best, fastest, most knowledgeable personalities in Ultra 4 and off-road racing. All
0: right, all right, all right. Here we go. Back in the tank. We're loading it up. We got this, uh, this, this crazy guy who's kind of, you know, not, in everything today, like he, his name was floated around a whole bunch before. But as you guys clicked in, you probably have heard his name around Ultra Four for years. He worked for him for years. He's working for SRRS these days. Working for Clyde, the Rock Bouncing World. But uh he's no stranger to Baja. He's no stranger to Ultra Four. He's my good friend Jeremy Dickinson, straight out of the state of Tennessee. Jeremy, how are you today, man? Good, good. You, man, I'm here. So pre-show, uh, I was, you know, I was talking about, you know, this weekend is, uh, you know, well, you, we just had, you know, rush Kentucky a few weeks ago and this weekend's the Kentucky Derby. And I'm like, oh yeah, Kentucky Derby is this week up there in your state. And I was like, wait a second, the state North of you, you're from Tennessee. You're <laughs> from Johnson city, right? Johnson city, Tennessee. Yes. And then you, you lived in Texas for a while, but, uh, but from Texas standpoint,
1: Somebody called you a Yankee, right? I'm a Yankee, according to... So so I worked for Michelin for about six years. And one of my first sales calls, uh, representing Michelin, the guy is a trucking company. And he literally, he's like, you you know, I introduce myself. You do your little sales pitch, right? And, and he's down call, in Texas, right? And he he's in Texas. He's in Austin, right? Again, introductions. And he goes, boy, you're a Yankee, aren't you? I was like, no, sir. I'm not a Yankee. I'm from Tennessee. He goes... Anything out of the great state of Texas, you're a Yankee. Well, according to you, yes, I am. I am a Yankee then. I don't think that I am, but yes, sir. <laughs> you know, like, how do you say that being an intro sales call? Like, you don't want to make him mad. <laughs> like, get out of my office.
0: <laughs> and so that's definitely the first time you've heard that because you guys are definitely south of the Mason Dixon, right? I mean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh yeah, man and yeah. you could
0: probably trace your roots back to the volunteer army right
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, it, 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 i wasn't going to bust the one out you know where it's well have you been to the alamo you know all the all the names up there a lot of them come from tennessee so if it wasn't from tennessee then i don't know if texas would be there or not no it's absolutely right all
0: those guys came from from there david crockett yep. uh jim boy all of them yeah 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 well we're grateful for them um i mean <laughs> Texas. I love
1: Texas. I, I love Texas. I'm not gonna lie.
0: But so, so, but you moved down here. And honestly, I think the last time I saw you was, I saw you in Fort Worth at tribe. What was that? It wasn't a year. It probably coming close to a year ago. Maybe. Yeah. It's somewhere in there,
1: but you, yeah, so you, we, I I'd met JT there. Yes. You're right. You were picking up the truck, the truck that you bought from JT. And then I dropped some axles off to JT.
0: Yep. And, yes. yep, and Roxy and Robert, and it was like this impromptu it was definitely during COVID because no one had a
2: mask on and we didn't
0: give a shit and we were already tired of it. Like, cause I, I like gas stations were still awkward. Restaurants were still close, like it closed. So this was early on in COVID when, and then we all get together and there's all these pictures of us hanging out in the shop, like these impromptu group photos and people like, what the hell? Where's your mask? Where's the social distancing? And we're like, bye.
1: <laughs> we're having a Texas COVID party. Forget this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh God.
0: Yes. Uh, the, the, uh, amazing stuff. Uh, honestly. Uh, but then I, I actually saw you at King of the Hammers this year.
1: Yep. A yep. little bit.
0: We hung out a little.
1: Actually. Uh, I was racing with old Jamie McCoy in G force racing. That's why I was out there this year.
0: And Jamie just won the U four UTV race at rush, right? Yes.
1: And the championship last year as well he's a solid woods racer is what I've been told, but I've never met him. I call him a surgeon in the woods. Like he is impressive if you put him in the woods. So what, what happens to him when you put him out in the open desert? Not as good. No, he goes even faster. <laughs> it, it took him a little bit to read the terrain, you know, in, in the desert section where you you know, your whoops start gapping out a little bit. You know, you see those shadows and instead of powering through it in the UTV, he he backed off and, you know, he got some, I was yelling in his ear, <laughs> don't don't slow down, go faster, you know, so don't break, whatever you do, don't break and then he picked up on it really fast but yeah, we, we just had some unfortunate circumstances uh, on the first lap of our race, uh, some mechanical malfunctions and we got into pit 1B and after that our crew got us taken care of and and we pushed hard and sad to say, we, uh, we ran out of gas with about eight miles to go.
0: <laughs> oh, that, that's rough. So in the side, by side, you guys are so tight. It's so small. If he's letting out, you can literally take your left hand and just shove down on his knee. Right?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess you could say that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, you're already kind of holding this catheter and whatnot anyway, so it's just one more thing you got to do.
1: Yeah. You hold the unofficial break, right? So, yeah. Did you ride with him at Rush? I did not at Rush. That was uh, John Arnold. John's normally his co-driver. John John Boy's been, uh, you know, with Jamie's from day one. You know, it was one of those that John came to me asking if I would ride with him at King of the Hammers at. You know, I had a little bit more rock experience and knew the trails a little bit better and, you know, in the desert as well. And Jamie asked me and honestly, the first time they asked me, I I said no, because I just didn't want to take John Boy's seat. I just I didn't think that I'd, I needed to because, you know, obviously I knew Jamie, but I'd never been in a car with him. I, I'd seen him race. I know he's just one heck of a race car driver. And he, you put a helmet on him and and he's on a mission to get to the front if he's not sitting on poles. So it was impressive for him to he had a hiccup in in qualifying we started 13th we sort of had an ongoing joke that it was jt's lucky number 13 because jt's got a really good relationship with jamie we we ended up i think at one point they said we were sitting third corrected time fifth or sixth on the road on the road but then we again we just had some mechanical malfunctions and we dealt with them and, and pit one B and ended up uh, it stalled us for about an hour and a half and then we we passed everybody going into Spooners. From what I could see and what I remember, we we made it to the top, almost top. Let's call it top ten. Jake Versy was actually top five. He finished top five and we pulled in behind him at Idle Issues. Jamie was a a little impatient and broken an axle trying to get around two guys winching. So we backed off there and I took a nice little jog from idle issues, chocolate thunder to camp to pick up an axle and everything to change it out and went back and made actually really good time again. But then we ran out of gas. Oh, <laughs> so, damn! yeah. Yeah. Is
0: running the 4,400 class in a UTV since now that you've, you've done it with a, you know, a front runner in my book who I consider. So maybe a front runner, by the way, I need to jump off, j- jump tangent for a second. It just occurred to me you actually said something earlier that you were sitting at McCoy's shop and it just occurred to me all the trophies behind you they're all number ones and tear down in Tennessee battle in the bluegrass ultra they're uh, your they're his okay i and that's where you're yeah,
1: sitting they're, I, they're I, all his
0: yeah <laughs> see i'm I'm smart, but sometimes the obvious escapes me and I wasn't paying that close of attention. And I was like, wait a second, I'm looking behind you, I'm like, wow. Um, I mean, you're you're better than Josh West. He had literally like hand lo like shelves and shelves of hand lotion and crocheted shit. Um <laughs> uh, I I mean, I, his wife makes some amazing stuff like koozies with penises or koozies with boobs, but he had these crochet cats and they were turned it was the butts of the cat so it was the crochet it looked like a hay bale you know like a big yeah. round, or like a big round bale with a cat tail except for it had a, a different color butthole and, and but <laughs> that was what josh had in the background a week ago but yours uh you got you got actually trophy you got a lot of hardware behind you i mean it's
1: <laughs> he didn't he didn't pre-stage those cat buttholes at all did he
0: no i don't even think he recognized they were behind him. i'm like what is that and he explained it and i'm like oh man Well, I mean, whatever your wife does, I mean, and she makes good money at it, I guess, but yeah. uh, And then, you know, behind you is all again, a ton of hardware. It's like having the conversation when you, you're on Skype with, uh, with Josh Weiler and it's just Rose, (laughs) they're, they're adding on buildings just, uh, for trophy rooms over there. Exactly. 20 years of line mountain races. Uh, so let's, let's go back to where I was going. I got sidetracked on that conversation. So you're racing King of the Hammers. You're with Jamie McCoy. You guys run the UTV race. You run out of gas. Now that you've been in that car, what is your thought and your opinion of the guys like the, you know, the, the Miller boys, the Miller brothers and, uh, Kyle Cheney going and running in the 4,400 class in their UTVs and being contenders. Where do you stand on that? What's your opinion?
1: That's tough. I have a lot of respect for those guys and I have a lot of. Oh, it's not an easy
0: question, is it?
1: No, not at all. Like the only thing that pops out at me right off the bat was there was a picture that came out of that with Shannon Campbell coming up behind, I want to say one of the Millers or yeah. it might've been Cheney. I don't know. I don't remember. They were all yellow,
0: yellow, black and white, right? They, the, all yeah, three cars. But, I couldn't tell them apart.
1: So, so the first thing that popped at me was safety. Like that's just the way I look at it. If you can spread them out. Yes. But I mean, you're talking a 6,000 pound car versus a 2,000 pound car. And if there is a UTV in front of Shannon Campbell, you know, a hundred percent of the time he, well, let's say pre LASIK, he wouldn't see that UTV in front of him. Cause I'm having flashbacks now of the XRA days where he literally drove over the top of Clay Gilstrap and Clay comes off the finish line and's like, Campbell, I had the line there. What, what happened? And, and Shannon's line was, I guess you weren't fast enough or you didn't take the right line because I drove over top of you. All I saw was a little blur in the side of my helmet, and I kept moving forward. So thanks for the traction type of thing, you know. <laughs> so that, But but going back to that, it that's the only thing that scares me. I think the UTVs have come a long way. You know, yeah. obviously, Can-Am's making a very large impact on the market with what they're putting out. And UTVs in general, Yamaha, Honda, Kawasaki, all the, you know, in – what year was it was it 19 that McGrath took a stock Kawasaki out there with 35s and just put a cage on it met safety tech and and finished the UTV race To me that's that's pretty impressive for those quote unquote the what Dave used to call golf carts right
0: Desert jet so, skis
1: Yeah I mean it's the, the only thing that scares me is if you if a UTV is in front of a 4400 car how does that 4400 car legally and Safely move that UTV out of the way if they if they don't move.
0: So kind of you know my color around that in my opinion is you know in the rocks it's not a problem right. I think the UTVs are faster, more nimble, more capable in the rocks than their bigger cars. But you get out of the rocks, you get out of the canyons at in using King and Hammers as the course you know to to talk about. You put them in the open, you throw them out across a lake bed. They go, you know, they'll break 100. Ultra four car breaks, you know, 130. Mm-hmm. And, but that UTV, it throws up the same amount of dust. And when that delta, that speed delta is, you know, like 30 miles an hour, and you pop out of the dust going 30 miles an hour faster than something that weighs a third of you, God help them. I just, just God help them. I th- and especially if there'd been, let's say there's multiple cars in a pack and that dust is super, super thick. I just don't see it. it. Somebody gets, somebody gets punted hard and it totals a car. But I mean, on on the flip side, I see the other side of it for 110, 120 grand into one of the KMS that was racing 4,400 for a lay person like you or I to go build one versus, you know, a, a factory sponsor guy. He's going to have less in it versus going out there against like Cody Wagner's, you know, a uh, pure sex car. I mean, that thing's, 750 K more now, yeah. uh, Jordan Pellegrino, he, his car is up there, but let's just say by and large, we're talking about 300 to $400,000 on the average IFS cars that are 800, 850 horsepower, you know, Slosson won this year and he's, his car isn't that, it, you know, it's solid axle. I bet he's probably still one sixties. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what exactly his number is, but I did hear was it you know? Back to another Josh West. Quote. Josh West last week said that Randy they uh, they dumbed down the motor on him. He he dropped horsepower just to make the car live, and apparently that strategy fricking worked.
1: Yeah. So so I'm impressed on Randy. I'll give him credit of and and I, I take the saying from Adam Shear, you know, with Tribe. Like whenever I first moved to Texas, you know, I was in Austin for a little bit, and then I moved up to Fort Worth. And I just jumped on the tribe, if you want to call it that, right? Like, Adam took me in and the whole family took me in. But Adam's motto in his shop was kiss. Whole stupid. I mean, the the simpler you can keep it, the better off it is, the easier it's maintained. And I think Randy just takes that to another level almost. I mean, whenever you're talking his new new rock crawler, I looked at it in Moab last year. And next thing I know, he goes, yeah, it's super light because I was talking about weight. And next thing you know, he goes over to the back tire and picks the back tire off the ground. Just him like doing a deadlift type of thing. And I just started laughing. I was like, okay, you, you got my vote, <laughs> right? Like, what do you say to that? The dude just picked the car up or the, the axle up. So, yes, I think I think some people overcomplicate, you know, the the 4400 car. You know, you're weighing it down with alternators and whatever it may be, all kinds of spare parts that – you make it 20 miles and because you haven't prepped your car, right. You make it 20 miles and you bust, you know, that's, I like the Campbell's Campbell you know, Shannon and the Campbell's, they, they keep it clean and what the necessity is to win a race. So.
0: I like the, the, you know, from the Campbell camp and we've seen this definitely out of Miller and Blyler, you know, that and Randy, maybe not as much from the prep standpoint of how quickly and easily and readily they can prep their cars. And I Put I include what I include in that is like if there's a problem, how quickly they can swap a transmission. Yes, like that is the worst possible thing that can happen to one of those cars during a race or on a race weekend or out at the hammers is a a, a tranny. And Campbell's can swap one super quick. I mean, every bar in the car is set up to where it all strips super quick. The thing drops out, throw another one in, away you go. Versus Hours and hours and hours, like you lose a tranny, you're like, well, we're loading on the trailer. Campbells aren't out of the race if they lose a lose a tranny. Yeah, I agree. I shouldn't say out of the race; they're not out of the the finish.
1: Yes, that's a no quit all all day. So, and that you know, going back to Adam, whenever we built, so we're sort of sidetracking a little. But I had built a car originally with Adam to get back into the 4400 class and whenever we finished it i was just you know trail riding and if you want to call it quote unquote testing and tuning right it was riding around and seeing how far you could push a car and you know the limitations of it and i had to change the transmission out just in the shop obviously but i timed it by myself and i had a transmission out of adam's car in 38 minutes just out i didn't have it back in but i had a you know, interior out of the car and I pulled it out the top because I just didn't want to lay on the back. So I didn't think that was that bad at all.
0: No, not at all. No. So that was always my thing when, you know, easy Rick and I were designing stuff and it was like, man, you got to make it serviceable. And I mean, like to where the front seats, each seat came out with two rods. And so you, you could pull the rods and flip the seat up and use the seat belt and basically clip the thing up and get underneath the seat and pull everything out. Like it was just no messing around. Like, like yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get in there and make it happen. So you just, you had rush and then now we're kind of, you know, hitting, we're kind of in a little lull here, right? We've got San Felipe coming up. That's in a couple weeks. So, you know, right now you haven't been working on that stuff outside of rush. What, what is currently on the Jeremy plate?
1: Currently I work as a, Full-time day job. I worked for John Deere, John Deere Construction. I sell construction equipment. Given I used to work for Caterpillar for a while, and you know, I guess I'm decent sales. I guess you could say I, I, I'm I'm a relationship guy through and through. So, but currently construction sales for John Deere, and tried to step away from the off-road. And Clyde just kept calling me and calling me, and I need your help. I need your help, and. I guess he just caught me on one of my good days and, you know, I agreed to sort of help him. And, you know, he was literally a one-man show on the SRS side, like all the live stream you saw and he did timing and all of it.
0: Yeah. Timing, and so, everything that we saw at a rush came out of Clyde stuff.
1: Well, I don't, Hey, yeah.
0: Hey, don't, don't, you're getting way ahead of us. Let's, let's okay, <laughs> I won't sorry, talk about, I'm giving you a hard time.
1: My current situation being is I, I worked for John Deere and in the meantime, you know, moving back to Johnson city, I've been buying up some property. So I've got, so, so where did you, about,
0: since you haven't, since we haven't got to that part in your life where we'll get there, where did you move from?
1: Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you left Texas to go be a Yankee?
1: I I left Texas uh basically I left Texas to come I had a grandmother that was still alive and I was the only grandchild and I came home to grandma and take care of grandma and hang out with her. So that, that was ultimately what 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 brought me out of Texas, yes.
0: That is good. And then you and we'll talk about her in a little bit, but Lindsay, your significant other, she's also Tennessee too, but she went to Texas with you.
1: No, she's from Austin originally. Oh, see, she I, followed me. I didn't know that. No, I yeah, met her. I mean, you've hung out with her. I don't
0: You you outkicked your punk coverage. She's way too pretty and way too nice
1: for you. And JT would completely double down with you on that one.
0: Yeah, he, he would agree. <laughs> All right. So, so let's, let's jump back. Let's go get to it. Cause, and we'll talk about some John Deere stuff in the, in the future. Cause I got some questions about, uh, about what you're doing on a day job. So, yeah, so okay. we talked about, it, you know, you're from Johnson city, Tennessee, but you moved to Texas at one point, then you moved, uh, from Austin to Fort worth. That's where you, you know, basically became one of the tribe family members. My memory of first meeting you, you were in tribe, but you had worked at XRA way before that. And you said, we met then I'll ask you about that on day Cause I don't, re- I don't remember, but
1: I think my okay. memory is
0: pretty good, but you're from Johnson city, Tennessee, which is in where the North East corner
1: Northeast corner. You, I mean, it is literally the northeast corner. I'm a right now. I am 15 minutes away from Bristol Motor Speedway.
0: So, talking about Bristol on a tangent, what did you think about them going dirt racing there this year or mud racing, whichever? Yeah, you know, I mean,
1: it's mud racing, right? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I mean, Bristol's doing a good job at thinking outside the box and bringing crowds and and helping the economy, in my opinion. So. And I don't know how many years ago, but they actually brought the University of Tennessee volunteers, football team, and Virginia Tech. Like, they literally had this big two-year countdown to putting a football game on in Bristol Motor Speedway. That's whenever the big jumbotron went up. And from what I understand is they set a Guinness Book of World Records of attendance, and that was the purpose of it. I, I don't know. But that's, that was that Bristol did a good job at that, right? They, that what's his, uh, Smith that owns it. So I think he's got a pretty good marketing team and uh, they do a lot of stuff there. They have a Christmas in lights every single year where they bring thousands of cars to the area. And I think that was just one of those additional, Hey, what are we going to do again outside the box? Let's throw dirt on it and let's go racing.
0: How, how big is that track? Is is it, is it like, seven eighths of a mile or something it's not that it's a quarter it's a quarter it's only a quarter because
1: it it seems like they're just maybe it's a it's maybe it's the fastest half mile i don't know i'm uh yeah i don't know it's half fastest half Uh, mile or fastest quarter mile
0: it's half Uh, a 0.533 so anyone in the background yelling like oh it's uh yeah 0.533 so they did They did dirt and that's what I, that's what I like about venues, right? The venues that are, and we're, you know, certainly NASCAR. I mean, they've had the last time they did a dirt, dirt race was like in 1970 something. And so you take Bristol, tiny little track. Not only (laughs) is that a change, all the NASCAR teams agreed to it, but then they had no books, right? Like, you know, when you go, you know, short track racing in the dirt, everyone has like, you know, groove books for their tires or in car setups, like, you know, Hey, if I'm going to go to this track, I can lower the rear or take, you know, no, they hadn't, no one had, everyone was like a clean level playing field. They're like, okay, where do we even practice with our cars on dirt? Like, like this is, this is nuts. And so I don't really follow NASCAR. There's, it, it's just not interesting to me anymore. I think I liked it, you know, 10 years ago. Plus there were some drivers in there that I, I cared about. I think uh, NASCAR was doing a good job of marketing back then. I don't know if they're doing as good a job today, but there's a lot more competition for their airtime and for your attention span and your pocketbook and all that. But when I found out they're going dirt racing, I was like, oh my God. And then I followed, uh, you know, Scott rain, who, you know, one of the ultra four announcers, you know, he announced at King of the hammers when he basically documented his trip, he went out there and I was like following every, I mean, every post he had, cause he was like boots on the ground and then it rained and. Like the, the vendor area had like four foot of water flowing through it. Yep. <laughs> and like, so they basically they went mud and, but what I, where I was sorry, often, you know, that this, the this sidetrack was, you know, we saw a track do something different and, and attempt something different and try and challenge, you know, guys in the, a, a way that hadn't been challenged in, you know, 30, 35, maybe in 40 years. And that's what, you know, what ultra four tries to do in like at King of the Hammers, they try to give you a different course every year. And we try to give, you know, they try to give different tracks every year. And sometimes it's by choice. And then, but this year, you know, last year wasn't by choice, right? It was COVID kind of banged everything up. It was, they scrambled. And then this year it looks like there's going to be the scramble for nationals. I'm very interested to see how that shakes out. I, I mean, I can see it being the easy one to pull off is Oklahoma. It's like kind of the no brainer, but. It hurts, you know, there's no spectators there, right? And hotels suck and there's no after party, but from a driver standpoint, it's legit.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that is a very fun course. You know, Justin and and Trotter's there now. You know, Trotter used to be Ultra 4, but and Justin's been involved with with Ultra 4 too. And they, they both, they take a lot of pride in putting together a strong course for the racers It's just unfortunate sort of where it's at, you know, it is in the middle of America, but there's, you know, you're an hour and a half from Oklahoma city or an hour and a half from Dallas. And you just sort of lack that attention that people gave to wild west, right? Like everybody knew wild west. And, and I don't know. I I think me personally, I think Goodby's got to, I don't want to throw it out there, but good from what I can talk to Goodby about and what he has starting in Fernley. I think that could turn into, like he said, a Prairie City on steroids. I think that would be very, I'd be interested to see how that turns out.
0: He was just this past week on the talent tank. So he's the, he's episode 44 and you're at episode 45. So yeah, we just, we just talked about that. I, I didn't know anything about friendly until I saw his event, you know, I guess two weeks ago now, three weeks ago, whatever, you know, recently a few weeks ago. And I was impressed with. It. I mean, it's desert, but I, I should have actually looked up and seen how close it was to Reno.
1: I don't know that one.
0: Good thing I'm sitting here on the internet. We'll we'll, we'll keep talking, and I'll uh, I'll look that place up.
1: <laughs> you know, I mean, but there have been some pretty good courses, like you know, going back in in Ultra Four. It was let's see, it was 2012. Was it 2012 that the, that we had that race in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico? It was, uh, it was, it was a partnership with another series, but I raced that one in Albuquerque and it was a fun course, but apparently there's, there's some private land in there and there's some issues of who owns what and, but that was the issue that, cause I always brought that course back up cause it was just fun.
0: I completely like I was, forgot about that. Yeah. So, yeah. so Fernley's a 40 minute drive to Reno. That's, that's not bad. Yeah, that's a hop, skip, and a jump. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Maybe I mean, we're neither you or I have a say in this, but I'm always <laughs>
2: exactly.
0: I'm, I'm always curious about you know, guys. That I know you've been to every single Ultra Four course that Ultra Four raced for, you know, a, over a four year period. You've been to every single one, and you develop you know ones that you know that are better for drivers, better for spectators, better for whatever. It seems sound like Rush rush everyone liked the train except for it rained so much it was just a muddy sloppy mess so everyone had a a bad takeaway from from rush uh and then you put it in that it's a hole where there's no internet no phone no any of that and everyone was like it just wasn't the the funnest event to have attended
1: yeah so dave and i we visited rush probably two or three years ago with the number of motorhomes and tractor trailers that went in there you you need to do a whole podcast on who drove in a truck and trailer and how many turns it took them to get in and out of that whole park. Cause it, like I had a motor coach at the time with a 36 foot trailer and it probably legit took me 15 turns, not going in, but coming back out. You just couldn't swing it in the ditch. And you had a, a bridge on the other side that you, like you just looked out your window and you were an inch away from the bumper on the front. And then you looked in the rear and it's like, Oh, I'm going to take out the other side of the bridge. Now let me back up and do this again. This sucks.
0: <laughs> and again, and again,
1: and a- yes.
0: Oh, it's, Oh, it was 18 wheeler Tetris is what I heard. Yes. Like, yes, just, I could just stacking them in there. And, and I could see that. And it's crazy how many guys like we've all, you know, not we, not me, how many teams have gone to the 18 wheeler? From what we can haul and how we can haul and what we can get into and not get into. And now with the the way the laws are for weights and everything for the smaller trucks and the cost. If you want to go you want to go buy a you know an F three fifty or an F four fifty, new one, you're at 80, 80 grand or more. Man, you could go buy a a, a used 18 wheeler tractor and a race trailer, and you're at the same price
1: probably less in some cases in yes. some cases and <laughs> on that dually that new dually you haven't even bought a race trailer yet <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> you're 140 in 150 in and truck and trailer and you can go buy a motorhome and a trailer for a hundred you it, know very very nice yes
0: and you just get tired of being heavy and you know, running right up on you know right up at the the limit or you're over the the weight limit and you know we're not you're you're not scaling but you're blowing tires and, and you're you're taxing the tires and you're taxing the rear ac- the axles on the trailer and then you're just casey
1: gilbert and the hell out of some tires you know <laughs> see so whenever i was racing whenever i lived in in fort worth i was still racing ultra four at that time so i had a duramax with a i think it was a 40 foot living quarters trailer and long story short my my housing fell through like i I was supposed to, I had, I was closing on a house two days before I was supposed to close. Underwriter came back and said, Hey, we can't do it. I flipped out on them, started looking at places to rent, and ended up trading my Duramax with the trailer in on a motor coach and a trailer. Ended up, again, tribe family, tribe crew. Lance hooked me up with uh, Donnie and Patty. You know who Donnie and Patty is, right?
0: No, I don't. Donnie
1: Hargrove and, and okay. So you need to you need to request to meet Donnie and Patty next time you're down there. They literally let me park, park my motor coach on their property. They've got like 10 acres south of Fort Worth. Parked it, it there for two and a half years and lived out of it for two and a half years while I li- while I'd, and still raced out of it and all the above, right? Like I gotta give Lindsay credit there. She was there the whole time. You know, she just quote unquote pack up house and we'd go racing, and Adam and Clarissa would jump in with us and Tribe would meet us there, and then we'd come back home and unpack the house and set it back up and work through the week. So it was, it was a good time.
0: I didn't know that story. I always wondered why you had a big motor coach. I, That's always what wondered.
1: I, re- I refused to rent a $1,500 apartment in Fort Worth, so I went out and bought a motor coach and lived out of it. And, and
0: probably saved money on that,
1: right? And uh, yes, 100% saved money on it.
0: And then you like, oh, I want to go racing or you want to go to Clayton or Green Acres? And you're like, let's go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're like, oh, let's go. Like, here's a trailer, it'll haul two rigs. Let's go. Stack them in and, and travel right. the US.
0: <laughs> so growing up in Johnson City, Tennessee, man, how's that? Tell us about that area. Like I know Knoxville just because you know University of Tennessee is there, the you know, go vols. And and then I've been to, you know, we went up to it's been a few few years ago, but we spent like Christmas at our house. And then that night, Christmas night, got in the car and I drove all night, got us to Memphis in the morning. We went and did some stuff in Memphis, you know, uh, Beale street and, uh, the Peabody to see the ducks. And we, you know, ate some, uh, barbecue at rendezvous. And then from there we went over to Nashville to catch, uh, well, one we to see Nashville, see lower broad, see the Grendel Opry. We stayed at, uh, the Gaylord mm-hmm. there, but we were there for, uh, Texans Titans, they played the twenty eighth, so it was you know last okay. last game of the season, and Texans had made it into the playoffs. Titans hadn't, so Texans weren't playing any. You know, really the starters were in at the beginning, and then it was kind of over. And Texans suck, by the way. Like they have no aspirations to ever be better than bottom <laughs> of the pack. Like they are terrible. It gave money to them for a decade. You know, going every every home game for a decade, and we gave up. And thank God they just continued to slide and suck, but. So, you know, my wife had a, you know, goal. It was like, if we're going to give up our season tickets at Texans and we're going to go travel, we're going to go see a game on the road, either college or NFL a year. We're going to go see some stadiums. So that year we decided to do Tennessee. We go we, Texans Titans in Nashville. And then from Nashville, we drove over to, uh, to pigeon forge to, uh, Gatlinburg. Did what's that? U- I want to say it's called Uber. Ober. What's, what's the theme? over,
1: over oh, Gatlinburg Ober Ga- resort.
0: Yeah. Yep. So we did, did that, but then we did Dollywood. Holy crap. <laughs> Dollywood is the most, one of the most amazing theme parks I've ever been to in this, in this country. I like roller coasters and my kids like roller coasters and Dollywood was clean and maintained and meticulous and just gorgeous. And the people were so super freaking nice. I would absolutely go back there. And and it really minded us because I guess it's the twin or the sister part to silver dollar city in Branson, Branson, yep. Missouri. And so it just Dolly takes care of her people, man. She takes care of her park. And so that was the, that's really the only part I've been over in your neck of the woods. So tell me about Johnson city. Cause you, you said it's close to Bristol. Tell me about growing up there and you as a kid growing up in Johnson city.
1: So Gatlinburg is only about 45 minutes I guess west of me so that, you know, in school, it was always, hey, sell these donuts or do these fundraisers and you get to go to Dollywood. That's that's that was our kicker, you know, as a, as an elementary kid. But growing up, man, I, I had a great childhood. I had a grandfather that that was my daycare. You know, he moved houses, not mobile homes, but like big commercial, you know, buildings and and whatever house like I-26. So I-26, I grew up with him moving houses for the interstate to come in. That was my daycare. But as far as like things to do around here, you have the Appalachian Trail. You know, it goes from Georgia to Maine. Five minutes down the road, I can be on the Appalachian Trail. Five minutes down the road, I can go whitewater rafting. I can go an hour and go snowboarding. There's a lot to do within about five hours. I'm not going to say it's like a, a California where it's, here's your beach and here's all that side of it. But I can go to Charleston in six hours. So there, there's a lot of variety within, you know, a, a half day trip. You can do anything you want. And then I grew up in the woods, really. Like I, I was always in the woods doing something, you know, the epitome of your mom kicking you out on the mornings saying, hey, get out of my hair. Go outside, play, it, you know, be sure to come back at lunch to, to feed yourself. And beyond that, like go outside. So hey, that's out that what I did. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, don't bother me. Which I, you know, I like that a lot because now, you know, these days you have kids just that that can't get away from video games and iPads and all that side of it, and it's like I think there's a sense of people are losing touch with family, you know, like of, of doing things as an activity instead of just hey, don't bother me, here's an iPad.
0: Well, yeah, I'd, I'd love to bring back. I mean, I think it needs to come back. Feral children, just feral children,
1: <laughs> yeah, running everywhere.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, growing up, I mean, I I grew up in the you know middle of nowhere country, Kansas, but. You can't ride a bicycle down gravel road, so I rode a horse. I mean, yep. I would, I would be on a horse every day until I want to say I was probably thirteen or so when I stopped. Well, I got my driver's license at fourteen. That was that was very important. You get the farm hardship and you get a drive. That changes the yeah. world. But um, yeah, summertime. You know, I'd ride to you know my friends' houses. They were you know nearest neighbor, weren't the best of friends. I I don't I have no idea what's happened to them in the last thirty years, but or yes. twenty five years, but. Um, at the time, you know, you're geographically friends, right? Because you're, you're you, gotta be. <laughs> you, you gotta be you gotta be like your choices aren't that great. So, so so and you have commonality, but yeah. So we'd ride horses everywhere, but that was it. It was you. Know, there weren't Nintendo. I mean, Nintendo came out when I was in like out of middle school for sure. But I just wasn't kind of like that. But so you moving houses or helping move houses, like you're talking like I've seen the stuff like on History Channel how they do it, like modern modern marvels and like moving them, like. They go through the basement. They put up the big beams and they put them on, basically like jeeps. Right? You know, like the not a jeep, like the but like what you put behind an eighteen wheeler. You know, the four, you know, two axles, and they put that on each end, and they just pull it like a big ass trailer, right?
1: Yeah. So you know, you put I beams. You measure the house and you put I beams underneath it and cross steel to support it. And then we we call it them or my grandfather called them a dolly in the rear so the the rear was dolly and then you had your or two dollies in the rear that you maneuvered or, or steered the rear of the house with uh two come-alongs you know or, or chain hoist basically that that they they hooked to the i-beams you steered the rear of the house with with the chain hoist and then the front was it was with a tow truck or, or not a tow truck but like what they called a we had an it was like a 62 international pull truck and uh man that thing was just You hauled it everywhere because if you ever drove it on the road, top speed was like 30 mile an hour downhill, wide open and, you know, doing 10,000 RPMs type of thing. But, you know, that's a lot of my gearhead outside the box thinking like, hey, can we do this and fab this up, whatever came from my grandfather's. I think, you know, that one of the problems he always faced was he, he would actually move the houses like underneath overpasses and it got to where the houses obviously got larger as the years went on and he couldn't get underneath the overpass. So he having a sixth grade education developed these rear dollies that, that he used airplane tires, like old airplane tires and made his own system. And then come to find out somebody stole that idea and patented it and all this other stuff. They, they came in town, but anyway, like that's, you know, having a sixth grade education and he could help me with my algebra and all this craziness. But, it was a good time growing up in the dirt. That's for sure.
0: I mean, just being ingenuity. I mean, I think that's the, that's the key. And that's, that's why, you know, what we do, what we do in uh off-road is like overcoming the adversity of what the race is throwing us. Like today, there's plenty of adversity out there, but we go out there to basically make problems for ourselves and see how we solve them and come out of them. And that, from a standpoint of, you know, making a living doing it, you can't call Amazon and get them to deliver a different dolly, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it, it, it just doesn't work. And it's like, okay, how are we going to do this? We got to go over there on a pass. Wow. It'd be cool if our beams or whatever were like low boy style, we could gain four feet from that. Next thing you yep. know, I'll come the torches and uh, the welders and uh, you basically make a low rider out of your, uh, your beams. Right. And then put yep. them, put them on the dollies. And then next thing you know, you're like, Hey, look, we cleared.
1: It's funny because you know my my grandmother passed away in May. So we were cleaning her house out and Lindsay knew a little bit about my past being raised with my grandfather and and we started pulling these newspaper articles like I was on the front page of the newspapers and as a little kid that was riding on top of the house going down the road. You know that, that that's it's funny. She's like you how old were you here and I'm like I don't know, 6 or 7 and she goes and you're on top of the house that's moving down the road. This is a front page paper. I'm like, yeah. Well, why are you even on top of the house? I'm like, that's where I wanted to sit and, you know, just the view going down the road. And how did you get up there? And I was like, with well, a ladder. Well, how else would you get on top of the house? You climb a ladder on top of the house, right? And, and nowadays, I couldn't even imagine how that would go. Yeah, I remember being the kid, uh, that kid, like climbing the ladder and the, because you always had to have police escorts, right? And the police escort was like, you can't have, that kid on the roof. And my grandfather's like, he's exactly where he used to be. He's fine. Don't bother boy, do your job and get in your car. And you're escorting me down the road beyond that. Like leave him alone. He'll sit right there. He won't move. Okay, sir. You know, and they just, they get in their car and do their job and he moves the house and I get down. So yeah,
0: there are, it was yeah. a good time. The, 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 the nanny state before the nanny state. Yeah. I mean, it was a different era. I mean, these people, they used to smoke in airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we have a very similar upbringing. You're, you know, what, how old are you now?
1: 40, 40, just hit yeah. 40, just hit 40. Yeah. I remember Celebrated you. 40 in Texas with the tribe crew yep. again.
0: <laughs> yeah. they're g- 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 Good folks.
1: Yeah. And that's yeah. what I thought that,
0: and that's what my daycare was as well, was my grandfather. And, you know, he was a farmer and real estate guy and just a mechanic and heavy equipment. And we had dozers and tractors and we were just always around that stuff. And I think that's where I got a lot of it was, it yep. wasn't, you just can't, well, back then there wasn't a tractor supply and there wasn't Home Depot. It was, there wasn't somebody that had something for everything. It was, well, you get out the blowtorch and you get out the welder, you know, the, and then there were buzz boxes. It was absolutely stick welding. And, and that was how I learned to weld. And, and then at the end of the day, you washed your hands in gasoline Yeah, and to get everything yep. off it, your hands would be washed in gasoline. And, and now, I mean, like, wow, right my grandfather passed away this past fall. He made it to, he made it to 93 and he washed his hands in gasoline, probably 90, percent of the days of his life and cancer did not get him. So yeah.
2: I don't know what it is about a,
0: a hydrocarbon. Maybe they cause cancer in some folks, but all I think all, all they did to him was fuel his anger. He was full of piss yeah. and vinegar, but <laughs> after you graduate high school out there in Johnson, what what age did you kind of decide that you're going to hit the road and you took this show to Texas or did I skip some stuff? You, you go to college anywhere. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I went to,
1: so graduated college and went to East Tennessee state university, ETSU. I have a criminal justice degree and a chemistry degree and don't use either one of them, but Hey, I've got that paper, right?
0: Ability to learn.
1: Uh, Yes. Organize, you know, multitask, all that came out of, college and went to work for caterpillar or a local caterpillar dealer and then oh eight oh nine man that that the crash just happened and i was the single guy no kids so you know i got laid off there and applied for a job with michelin got the job well then you went to michelin in a 12-week training course knowing that you're going to relocate but not knowing where and originally they tried to send me to omaha nebraska and basically, I told them, no, I wasn't going to Omaha, Nebraska, because there was no racing that I could get to conveniently in Omaha that I wanted to go to the East Coast or West Coast because I wanted to race. They came back and said, well, we're not sending you to the East Coast and we're not sending you to the West Coast. We're sending you to Austin. Take it or leave it. And I had reached out to uh, a few people and they said, if you've got the opportunity to go. And at the time, I was actually competing in We Rock. I was cone dodging and because it was like Dayton, Tennessee's three hours from me, Jellico. you know, the, the old Jellico days, it's, it's two hours from me. So, I and mean, we, we were having blasts back then and moved to Austin. And at that point it was, um, 17 hours, one way for me to compete rock crawling and those desert racing going on in, in Texas. And I got in with the, the guys at crawl techs, Cam and Chris and Ted and all those guys. And I think Cam has a shop now out in Vegas nefarious customs yep that's but, right yeah so he 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 actually got me in a 7200 truck at blackwell ranch carl bill's ranch there and we we raced a little bit there and and i got the bug to go fast and for as long as possible yeah texana so,
0: yeah texana yeah. ranch god that place is that place is awesome like there's I'll,
1: oh man yes
0: you come around a turn and there's a buffalo you come around another turn, there's a zebra. You come around another turn, There, you're over a rise, and there's a a, a herd of uh, Angola sheep. Like, yes. these woolly little bastards running around. That's high fence and exotics everywhere. I think they've got some... And it, they've got giraffes, right?
1: I feel like yes, I've seen giraffes there. Because you can go feed them. Yes, they have giraffes. You can get in the bus, and Carl will take you and feed the giraffes. Yes. But, yeah, that I mean, and at the same time, you know, I sold my We Rock car and went to italy and tried to pick up a car here and there and and at the same time i was helping uh mike and jody with xra sort of east coast and west coast going back and forth ended up picking up little rich's old car you know the the upper trailing arm leading arm yeah. car the the king shot car I, mm-hmm. I bought that from him and redid that entire car and now the, and was we that the right- car that
0: pistol pete was involved with like they like pistol was going to drive it at one point at koh yes In the same car and then they left uh one of those red shop rags ended up in the intake and then they reinstalled the uh, the throttle body or whatever and the thing ends up eating this rag in the motor and that was what killed them what killed the race that was the story i heard i don't know if that, I, how I that so is so
1: i've heard the red rag i was told it was in the coolant that it, it okay. stuff it was stuffed in the coolant and then it it basically plugged the motor and overheated the motor but i that same motor issues yes red rag yes same, same story, yes. yeah, yeah i
0: can see that like you would st- stuff the rag into the radiator hose to keep it from leaking and then you just grab it and slip it back on and tighten the hose clamp yep genius level
1: yes <laughs> set a landmine <laughs> set a land up for yourself. Yeah. pay attention to details slow down right oh wow That was probably one of those that, Hey, it's on the 28th hour of the day trying to get to the race. That's 10 hours away and you've got two hours to get there type of scenario. But you know, we've all been there
0: every every time, like every time. So what happened to that car? I've, I've wondered, is that the one that
1: Wacker ended up at one point? Nope. So I actually tore that car down. I used pieces off of it to build a tribe car And I sold the chassis to a friend of mine in Johnson city. He still has it. He's going to put it together eventually, but I don't, I don't know if he will or not, but he has the chassis now. Yeah. It's gone. Gone. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, going back to Texas side of it. Yeah. We lived in Austin for a while and then we, I got transferred to Fort Worth and that's whenever I started building the tribe car. And that's actually whenever I got linked in with Trent Trubenbach with rowdy racing, rowdy, you know, Adam built him a car and and the first race was in Badlands. Adam was supposed to co-drive with him and I'd raced Badlands before and I was showing on the lines and we get back to the pit and Adam just sort of comes and puts his arm around me and goes, "Hey, by the way, you're going to race with Rowdy and I'm going to be in the pit cuz I'm a better mechanic than you are and you're a better co-driver than I am. We just we need to own our role, right?" Right. <laughs> so so I you know and, and I jumped in with Rowdy and man, we raced for Couple of years and had a pretty good run at things. I mean, it was, we put that car on the podium a lot. And I can firmly say that Adam builds one heck of a car because, you know, Rowdy, he was not easy on equipment, put it that way at all.
0: <laughs> or, or we can, we can name people that have been in tribe cars that are not easy on equipment. I'll start with Clay well, Gillstrap.
1: I, I was going to say Killstrap myself. Killstrap. Killstrap. Yeah. Killstrap. But Love, love that dude too. I was actually in his wedding. So, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, I mean, he, but he, I was actually, I thought about him the other day, man. I, I I miss seeing that guy drive. I mean, cause he could, he could flat drive. I
0: just miss partying with him. It's been too many years and you know, he's not that far up the road from me. Maybe hour for me to get across Houston and another hour and a half to him. So he's maybe two and a half hours from me. That's not insurmountable. It's just, you got to go to East Texas and Man, there's just so much meth up there. I just <laughs> I try <laughs>
1: to avoid that part of the world. I don't know, man. I, I think I would go hang out with Billy and Lee. I, I think it, that that would be worth my two and a half hours.
0: Billy's uh, awesome. I love
1: old oh, oh, Mama Gilstrap and Billy. Man, that that's that's a solid family. So speaking of them, whenever I lived in Texas, so do you remember the old the s'more race in that Southern Missouri s'more, off road? Yeah. yeah, that they had sort of like the comp to XRA right. Yep. So. Clay was racing that at Bridgeport along with Jab Nasty. Oh, e, Matt, Maddie right? Meeks. Yep. So so they were there and I was spotting or co, sort of co-driving with uh, AK Watley where he owns Chaos Off-Road now up in West Virginia. Yeah, he's way, and he's a Houston guy. Yes. And, and then, yeah,
0: then they live all the way. Is it North Carolina? West Virginia. Oh, it's West Virginia. Yeah, I knew it was yeah. way up
1: there. Yeah, okay. uh, he's up there doing his own thing and and but that's that's one of the first times that i met the Gillstraps, and the next thing i know it, billy's hey we want to go to the east and ride a little bit and we load up in a motor coach and it was one of their I, I don't remember the year of anniversary but i went on their let's call it 40th anniversary they went to the east coast and we wheeled harlem kentucky and all these places back east and they're just like and that's, that's one of the best anniversaries we've ever had. And, you know, just, just great family time. Right. Like I, that's what I miss the most is those, those experiences in that side of it,
0: man. Hashtag relationship goals.
1: Yeah, right. exactly. Hey, yeah, so, exactly. so uh,
0: but before we go further, this is, I mean, right now we're talking about XRA. We're roughly around that oh seven, oh eight, oh nine time period. You were working with uh, the Weavers, Mike Weaver and, and helping put on XRA stuff and racing it and all that. Yeah, man. And we met apparently in that, in that era and I don't remember it. And so I'm, I'm definitely the asshole.
1: No. So we met in Alabama at gray rock. Okay. And that's, you were racing down there. I want to say later that year we hung out in Jellicoe because didn't you race Jellicoe as well?
0: Was that the one with all the fireworks? Yes. Uh, no, and I, we
1: had the boot. We ran the booyangs down the down the road and all that. Okay. Let's talk about
0: booyangs for a minute on that. Cause I swear on my life that there is video. I swear it was on YouTube and it was like shot out of like the Shirley's Brian Shirley videoed it while everybody ran like rusty Bray and Danny roar. And we all had those pit bikes oh, and, and everyone ran, r- rode them down the highway on the shoulder. And it was long. I mean, it was like five miles down, down a 10% grade. Yes. It, yes. Or a 12% grade and we're, you know, cruising. I wasn't involved, but I remember seeing the video. I went looking for that video. I think after Levi and I, Levi Shirley and I talked about it. I never found it. I know it, if someone out there, please come to the insiders group and post up that video of, it's a crew of what is now today, ultra four drivers. But at the time we were XRA rednecks riding these They're Chinese or North Korean. No, they're like South Korean, <laughs> yeah. S- South Korean or Taiwanese honda 50s but they were they're were kind of big boy though they had a little bit bigger tires maybe they had 12 inch rims i don't think they were 10 inch rims and uh like chon, you know like a chanda a chanda motor right a china honda motor that's kind of what they had man they were fun fun as hell
1: oh yeah i mean they they would definitely whoop a big boy in a heartbeat like they they laid me out a couple of times and i i remember uh yeah whenever we had the little races and up at well that that year we did the the trip down. See, if you get on YouTube, is it not one night in Jellico? Is that not the start of that?
0: No, that's a that's real. No, no, I don't think there's the Boo in it. I think that's.
1: Oh, okay.
0: No, there's definitely jumping. You know, uh, jumping picnic tables and <laughs> miles. It, miles Hasakist, you know, our yes, our, yeah, <laughs> he's he is right there in the middle. I not talking gonna, to the police officer. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I got to tell you a quick mile story. I'm sure people have heard, maybe you've heard the story before, but so he runs out of gas where, you know, this is at the Jellicoe motel. He runs out of gas and, uh, he runs out like directly in front of Shannon Campbell and the crew. And I, I want to say Waylon was with them, but Waylon's young, right? I want to say Waylon's 12 or something. You know, it's like there's, he's not racing. I mean, this is, this is a long time ago at this point. Yeah. We're dating ourselves. And Shannon goes, oh, I got you covered. And he he dumps race gas into Miles' little Honda 50. What Miles is always, that thing's known as Old Faithful. Because it didn't matter what you did to it, how bad you wrecked it, it still fired right up. And he just, he, he, I swear he never changed oil in it, but I know it got some prep, but it was beat up, Old Faithful. So he puts race gas in it. And then maybe two or three weeks later, we're in Disney, Oklahoma. And I've got my new, you know, as we were talking about this, like living quarter race trailers. And, and that you've got, you know, an $80,000 truck and another, you know, $60,000 race trailer. That's kind of where we were at uh, at this point. And I have this brand new living quarter race trailer, all aluminum, nice fold-out couch. This is a nice trailer. Fold down the, uh, the ramp and it's got the, you know, the, the diamond, uh, but not diamond plate, but the, uh, the plastic, the rubber Mm -hmm. miles hammer drunk does a burnout. Like just holds it to the wood on the Old Faithful on my deck on the ramp and just burns a hole in the rubber in the floor, and he's yelling. He goes, "You smell that? You smell <laughs> that? That's Shannon Campbell rice gas right there."
1: <laughs> and Man, just you, just, like, you just can't. You, and you can't even be mad at that, right? No, you, there was, you cannot be mad at that. Like you almost want to like cut. A, a cut like almost like a plaque side of having miles sign it and then have Shannon sign it later on going, Hey, here you go. Like this is, this is forever marked. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I think I, I was on the ground laughing at this point and there was a lot of people laughing cause it was funny. But the next day I did absolutely want to kill him. And he's like, and you know, miles at the next day, he's like, I'm sorry, buddy.
1: I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I just, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs>
1: I got carried away. <laughs> yeah. It
0: just, you know, it, it, so it happened. But so, yeah. So you're running around with, uh, Weavers and all of us in XRA. And then, uh, you know, cause KO, KOH had happened like, Oh, seven had happened. Oh, eight had just happened. I think when this had gone down and then, uh, at that point, Dave opened up kind of the floodgates. Well, well, actually let's back it up. Bigelow was this East coast racer. He dug Bigelow, Douglas Bigelow. He's running around with all of us idiots. He'd gone out to KOH and he finished third. So yeah. this East coast guy goes West and he finishes third. And I think Shannon won. Gosh, I don't know who came in second that year, but I know Bigelow was third because he was at East coast. And he comes back to XRA and we're just like, oh, well, wow, this is attainable. And then Dave, and it was Jeff. Noel was involved, but Dave was the one doing the calls. Dave basically sits down with Bender, Rob Bender park. Cause Rob Bender park is flying to every XRA race with doc Mercer, Ken Mercer. And so Dave is a Bender, Rob Ark is a bender. So he says, okay, who of these guys in XRA East? Who are these guys? Who are the cool ones? Who should we invite to come out here and and race KOH? And, you know, most, I think all of us got invited, I think was what it came down to. And so we all, this, you know, armada, this flotilla <laughs> roll, rolls out West and, uh, you know, kind of the rest is history, you know, XRA slowly. Met its demise as we went away from short course rock racing to long format,
1: and now someone's coming to coming back. It's it's funny, you know. You you think of how the roller coaster ride is what I call it, or if you want to say the times, you know, it was we rock was huge, and then it sort of faded out a little bit, and XRA took off because it just gave you more seat time. It's all about the seat time on the racer side, and then after XRA, you know, then you had king of the hammers and it's even more seat time. And now it's funny because we rocks getting, you know, we rocks made a comeback. You know, I I don't know, you know, you, you point towards Jesse Haynes at that one going, Hey, is this the guy that brought, you know, we rock and rock crawling back and that decided to make, make rock crawling great again. One of those. Yeah. I mean, I think he, he stayed with it. I'll give him credit there. Like he definitely stayed with it. And now you're taught, you know, Goodby was on last, you know, the previous show and, you know, he's a, Hey man, I just want a short course race. You know, the logistics on the endurance side, like you have to have all these volunteers and safety doubles, triples, quadruples on that side of it. And I've said for two or three years now, I'm like, man, somebody needs to bring XRA back, you know, like let's get, go back to, you know, where you put people up on the, the Hill and, you know, you don't have this $250,000 budget that you have to meet to go have fun. And get on the course again. So I don't know, it, you know, but behind some th- closed doors, I have poked at a couple of people going, Hey, man, if you don't do this, you're stupid. You know, like, come on, man, come well, on. Let's, let's, let's bring it back.
0: I, I don't like to shoot. I do like, I about said, I don't like shooting holes in stories uh, or ideas. I do like shooting. I, I like playing devil's advocate straight up. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows that about me. I will take the other side of that on XRA. I don't, at the time, the 07, 08, 09, 010 time frame, our cars cost 20 to 40 grand. I mean, a, a $50,000 rock racer was very high end. Yes, and, agreed. And today that same car is 150 and wanting to go beat on them the way we would beat on them in XRA to rebuild after, you know, you'd do four heats and your runtime would be three minutes, two minutes times four. So maybe you got 15 minutes of seat time that day that equaled a whole rebuild. I mean, I, you were still fully um, nearly full prep in the car. Cause you were banging the hell out of it.
1: It was fast with a lot of bumps in the middle. I guess you could say, yes, I agree with you there. I look at it in terms of, you know, can you put fans in the seats to give them a good show? And how many people would come out of retirement to run XRA? You know you would get in a car if you had the, the chance. And the, oh yeah, you I think can about that
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- th- that was the my, kind of my demise was you know, vision and uh, reading the bottoms of whoops. You know, yeah. we talked about you know, reading the shadow. I realized there was some of those I kind of got really lucky on a couple times. You know, you're running yep. the Mint four hundred and you're going, you're at a buck ten and Hey, that we might have, might have shouldn't have been going that fast, <laughs> or <we> might have <laughs> should have been going faster. I don't know, but yeah. Uh, so I saw Kim Sears had a birthday this past week, and what reminded me of it was Stan Haynes shared it on on Facebook. Kim Sears, happy birthday! But a couple of the pictures were from, and man, you're gonna have to correct me, and you might know them, but I, rem- I feel it was in Louisville, Kentucky. It was indoor, it was an indoor race in kentucky yeah. louisville and i want to say it was like the freedom hall or independence hall and they had monster trucks in there but we were like basically the show it was xra style inside of a, and we arena raced it was fucking amazing
1: yes so weaver was working with at the time i don't remember who the promoter was doing the monster truck but he was trying to integrate the rock racing into the monster truck is as, as having everybody came for the monster trucks, but he was trying to get the rock racing as a like an opening act, if you want to call it that. But yes, Kim was Kim, Kim took place in that, and that's the days of like Rusty Bray. You know, he had the little single seater and that t- took out, and Danny Roar showed up, and dude, that dude's a hoot, you know, so it, that would have been neat to see where it went. A hundred percent. I yeah. just, me personally, I just, I had dinner with Levi. He was in town for that Bronco super celebration or something, him and Terry. And I, I just looked at him. I was like, man, I just want to see you and your dad get back in your single seat cars and just battle it out on a short course. Like I, I just, I, yes, get back in them and let's pull a lot of people out of retirement just to make this happen. And,
0: and those, they still, the Shirley's still have those single seat cars. Shirley's don't sell anything.
1: No, not at all. Ever.
0: They're, they're hoarders. They're like me. I don't sell anything either. I need, to sell, I need to sell so much stuff, and then I'm out buying more. Just like that truck I bought from JT that we were talking about meeting you up there. It's still the trailer. I never unloaded it.
1: <laughs> it is- yeah, but, but, then now, now, but think about, okay, so, so just say a what if, right? Like if we're talking devil's advocate, then yes, a, a competitive car on an XRA side, I don't know that you would touch 150. Maybe
0: you, you might well, remember we were on air shocks and then like we weren't by no bypasses. I There might've been coilovers involved on some folks at the very end. Yes. At, towards the end. I I remember in. Oh, Oh, eight. Yeah. Oh, eight. I made the switch. So I took Mike, I had a Mike Covell car, a motor city machine car, and I converted it to, to ORIs. And so I was one of the, you know, the first ones out proving and testing and destroying ORIs back in the early days of ORIs. And then we realized we took them to King and Hammers and they were not a go fast shock, but man, they were really good in short stuff. I would yeah. go, I'd go, I'd run ORIs tomorrow if I knew I wasn't ever going to go try to run it through the whoops.
1: Yeah. But I mean, think about the, like the mud devil guys, right? Like Greg stone and Travis Watford. Watford and, <laughs> yeah. Like those guys that, that race, man, I, I you know, yeah, I think you'd have some guys come out because you could at a certain point, you know with trail riding and and that you could take a fifty thousand dollar sixty thousand dollar trail rig, and I think you could be competitive on a short course you know the short course to me on on like the x r a style was you picked the right line and, and like a derek West Derek West was a machine yes on x r a like smooth clean, just it did i mean didn't make mistakes. I mean, he was a machine. The only way you
0: beat Derek at XRA was because he, he had a mechanical. Yes. You you didn't beat him because of the driver skill. I mean, and I remember showing up at KOH 09 and we were in outer limits. We're coming down outer limits and we come around, you know, the rock wall or where we come around and there's Derek off to the side. And I look at Kelly Kaiser, you know, I'm like oh, wow, we're going to, pa- we're passing Derek. Like this was a, a, you know, achievement unlocked, you know, cause yes. you, you didn't pass, you weren't going to pass Derek on course. It just wasn't going to happen unless he'd had some problem. And yeah.
1: And still today, bring, yeah. it, bring XRA back, bring, <laughs> make it great again. <laughs> make XRA great again. I, I yes. mean, I think,
0: I think there's, I think you could scrape together enough racers to pull that off. Uh, I think with, with COVID and it's made people refocus on what they're, what they're doing and where the dollars are. And that I mean, not taking anything away from ultra four. I think ultra four is still where it's at, but I've often often questioned why ultra four has a series. I understand King of the hammers. Absolutely. And I understand yep. like a, a nationals, like a secondary big, big event. But as far as, you know, running an East series or running a West series from a dollar cost perspective, it seems like a lot of money with not a lot of upside from their standpoint for their organization versus doing it grassroots style. You can get away with a lot more with a lot less, It uh, was kind of where I was going with that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there was discussions that I, that I put out in front of Dave of let's cut it down to like a two or three race, you know, King of the hammer style. Let's have a, here's your King of the hammers. At the beginning of the year, have a mid, mid-year race and then have a nationals but then you know obviously dave has done a, a great job at gaining partnerships and sponsorships to make ultra four happen like east coast west coast the nationals king of the hammers my vote was to take some of the sponsorship money and put out to these grassroots like a goodby with norcal like a big rich with dirt riot yes dirt riot that's what i was yes like you know, and now it'd be like a pro rock or, or something like that, that, that here's in here's local endurance racing that cuts down on the budget of a Levi Shirley having to travel to Utah to whatever, like here's your, if you want to call it like a professional class, like go race some grassroots races, yeah, that's, that's, get the, the fe- experience feeder. feeder. Yes. That's
0: yeah. What yeah I look feeder, this.
1: feeder races. Like you've got to consider like guys that are that line up at King of the Hammers, on the 4400 day, that have zero race experience, and go against a Campbell, a Healy, these guys that—that's their profession. They do that daily, and this guy that has no experience could ruin that for a Campbell or a Healy. And they go back. The the inexperienced racer just goes back home and says, "You know, I tried that. Great. You know, for instance, I, and I don't know the car. I'm not going to try to call them out, but in Kentucky at Dirty Turtle." we were doing qualifying and the guy pulls up to the line. And I'm like, okay, so there's your lights. You know, here you get yellow, you know, you got red, yellow, green. He goes, okay, what's that mean? I'm like, okay, you don't, you know, you know what a red flag is on course. No. And I just bought this car and traveled in here and we're, we're going racing. We're trying to get the king of the hammers okay man like how about you pull out a line real fast and let's have some discussions on you know racer etiquette and you know safety and et cetera. and then we'll get you back into qualifying okay sounds good so that's what those grassroots feeder races are for man i mean it's they make you a better racer so well
0: i I mean etiquette etiquette and etiquette and more etiquette and what's what's allowable and what's not allowable and what's letter of the law and what's spirit of the law and things along those lines and you know like the i want to i don't want to use an example but it's the one that's at the top of my head um there was a a racer this year at koh he ends up upside down on an obstacle and he got driven on and and it did a lot of damage to a it was a mid-engine car so the exhaust is on the top in the back that's down in a rock hole now and he's getting driven on and it smashed some really nice exhaust and man nobody is happy about that nobody It went on social, and they're calling people out, and and the 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 people, and it was very crazy to read the commentary. Were friends and family of of this racer that they are like, that's BS. You need to, that guy needs an ass whooping, you know, like all these things calling out the people. And it wasn't one car; it was a couple cars drove over the guy, and and the the. But that's what it is. I mean, when you leave the green the green flag, when you leave the start line. That's a possibility, right? If you break down in the line, you can, but you become a piece of the course and that's our etiquette, right? That's our tribal knowledge of our event. Like that's what we have. And and if you don't know that and you haven't seen that and you haven't been around that, then yeah, that's shocking. And when you see the public sees that and sees like, oh, why would I ever go take my, if I ever got into racing, which I, they don't have the dollars for it, whatever that is or wherewithal, but I would never choose ultra four because they can ruin your car there no, that's not it at all. Yeah, I agree. But it's, it's this public, this public perception that I saw, I, I watched on an Instagram thread and I chimed in, I couldn't help myself. I should have stayed out of it. You know, no good deed goes unpunished. So I get eaten up, right. I get, I, you know, someone's trying to, you know, pack my lunch for me. And, uh, like how, how, what a bad person I am to say that, Hey man, that's what happens when you like, no, really? Well, Let's circle back a few months and he, he, and the, that, this driver and I, we exchanged some notes and he's like, man, I'm sorry. You know, I was like, dude, there's nothing to be sorry about. Like that's, you were fresh out of the hammers. We were the week after the hammers. It was emotional, right? You had your car freaking, you know, stomped. I mean, I get it. Like it's, but you know, on the flip side, that's the responsibility you took when you left the green flag, man. Um, Sorry, nope. No one wants to wreck somebody else's car in the sport.
1: Sorry. There's no intentional, like you said, you become part of the course. And yeah, it's, it's, you just sort of, you're the, you're that guy at that moment. You know, we've, we've all been there at some point. Some of us have, some of us haven't, maybe. I don't know. I have. I mean, it's, you just, hey, go drive over it, man. Like, like at KOH this year, it was the UTV race that was it Gomez, Marcos Gomez was given parts off of his to have Sarah price.
0: Did they flip a coin? No,
1: no, they did paper, rock, scissors, something like, yeah, but, but that's, that's the, that's, the, you know, that's the spirit of the racing and that's the family that, that we're all family of, Hey, you know, if you can take something from my car and go, then by all means, like I'm done. Like I'm, whether or not you're exhausted or the car's done, you're just, you're tired of working on it. Hey, take whatever you want. That's the way I look at it. It's if you flip over in the middle of the course and you can't self-recover, then run it, man. Like I, I, I made that mistake and unfortunately I have to deal with, you know, my talent tank popped a hose <laughs> and, and now I'm hanging out. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely sucks, but yeah.
0: No. Yeah. First, there's nothing positive about that. So you brought up, uh, the Sarah price, Marcos Gomez thing. And the guys that, that did the paper, rock, scissors was Terry Madden and, <laughs> and you and I have a Terry Madden story you in Mexico ride in a crew cabin and a lot of people, this story hasn't been told publicly, but I'm going to tell it. This is, this is a story that makes men guys, whatever look pretty bad. It makes me look even, even worse. And this is why Jesse Combs pretty much hated me.
1: I'm so, not telling that story. You oh, tell I'm telling story. it. No, I'm yeah. there. You, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. You were I can <laughs> verify it because I was in the back seat, but yeah, you can tell the story. So there's a, there's a everyone
0: listening. Yeah. This is, this makes it purely, you know, God, what an asshole why it is. No, I'm on a I text group with a bunch of guys, and they don't know they don't know Jesse and they don't know Terry. Or that actually, I take that back. Some of them do know Terry and some of them actually do know Terry pretty well. And they were like, you know, he he'd been with Jesse not all that long, six months maybe. It wasn't a long time at this point.
1: Yeah, it was yeah. new.
0: Yeah, it was it was pretty new. And and these guys like, you know, what what's this about? And some of course, someone in the group goes, I wonder what she looks like naked, basically like sin, sin nudes. You know, she's a, you know, she's in the celebrity realm and there's basically nudes exist of everyone on the planet is my, my guess on the world. Like it doesn't matter who you are. There, somebody has nudes of you somewhere. And if it's me, it's, they're not good. Right. I mean, you don't want to see this at all, but so these guys are like, you know, like, Oh man, you know, they, they go do the Google search. Jesse Combs nudes, you know? Right. And, uh, nothing. And, and I go, I'll ask Terry like tongue in cheek, like laughing, but I text him anyway. And you were in a crew, you're in a crew cab Dodge. You're in the back seat. He's driving. She's in the passenger seat. You guys are in Mexico and she's reading his text messages.
1: Yes. <laughs> so we're coming back from Nora. We're making our trip back North and you know, his phone starts just ding, ding, ding. And, He's like, hey, you know, like I'm on a two lane road. I don't want to, I don't want to run off. So just read whoever it says, and she, she pulls it up literally, and it says, "Oh, it's Wyatt." Okay, it, and it says Terry, blah blah blah. I don't remember exactly the wording, but it's like send nudes, send nudes, and she goes, "Who are you sending nudes of?" And it comes through and says, "Of Jesse." Dot 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 type of thing, and she goes, "Oh, Terry wants nudes of me." Yeah, that's not happening at all, you know. And and she just goes off, and and Terry's like, "Oh, wait a second, give me back my phone," you know. Like, and all I could do is laugh in the back seat, and and then it comes into you know Terry's trying to take pictures of Jesse in the truck next to us, and I'm I'm in the back seat, and I actually take a picture of Terry and and Jesse looking at your text and I send it to you on your phone saying I'm laughing in the back. seat yeah, oh no,
0: yeah. But the, <laughs> the response, so I hadn't gotten that yet, but what I got was the selfie of her flipping, flipping me off and you can tell yes. she's in the truck and it's a middle finger. And I'm thinking this is Terry sending me, well, Hey, fuck you. Why? You know, like, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> completely fair, unreasonable request, you know? <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. that comes in. I'm like, haha. And then, um, and then you text me and you're like, I am in the back seat. It is not good in the front seat now, and <laughs> your name is
1: done <laughs> I'm like yeah, seat is not like you at all at all,
0: <laughs> yeah, so that makes def- I'm definitely the dirt ball on that, but it was somewhat joking, but if there had if they had been in ex- in existence and they got sent to me, I would have looked at them <laughs> that's not right
1: that's not right at all
0: oh man yeah. and, and the world's gonna hear this so um you know back in the day jesse was not a fan of wyatt because of one misstep but it was a massive misstep like it was really fucking bad i that excuse my language but that's the only <laughs> word for it and eh, well it it is what it is but you were in the back seat and you witnessed all this and uh you were a party to it and you messaged me like and gave me the inside scoop of what had gone down and i'm like
1: yep Um, (laughs) uh (laughs) i'll give her a hug next time and you know she might slap me but she's still going to give me a big hug and and laugh about it you know that's just her personality and her spirit man like it just no matter what she always hey tell me what you what's new your way and big smile and big hug and man yeah yeah like definitely miss that that girl a lot
0: yeah huge huge loss to the world man just huge loss but anyway that story hadn't Hadn't been told in a public space. But I can only laugh. I mean, I can only laugh about it now. I mean, I wish she was still around and we could, you know, made amends and to talk about that. But, uh, it was at this point, she was <laughs> such an ass. Uh, we've uh, got
1: way off. We've got way off track here. Yeah, You brought up
0: Terry and you know, I, I was actually messaging with Terry, uh, today cause it, it crossed my mind. You know, he said he was on that motorcycle and, he went to, he set this, uh, record to fl- drive a motorcycle with the largest American flag flown behind it, or I don't remember the exact wording of it, but he did it right. He drove across a, one of the lake beds with a huge American flag strapped to a Harley. Then my, what I thought was, I never heard if that was official. Like, was that an official record? And so I, 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 text him and he came back. He goes, I have no idea if it got certified or not. He just didn't know. He hadn't worried about it. And I was like, okay,
1: cool. I yep. mean, I experienced you that. Did it. No worries. I'm good. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. If I said something, I said something, but I did it and that's yeah. all I needed to know. That's all I needed to know about it, that I did it. So, so, uh, so anyway, we were, we were talking XRA and how we need to bring that back. But then you end up getting into ultra four, like all the rest of us. And then you raced, uh, I know you raced KOH in like 12.
1: I raced a couple years. Was, yeah. I, I think I started at 11, 11. I went out with the Fredericksburg boys. It was oh, like the Carl
0: Langer no, yes, Carl yeah, and and, uh, and
1: Sean and that crew. Like I went out there with them just to sort of check it out. 12 was my first race. Was
0: Mike Seward still, uh, uh was he already still, uh, he was already co-driving for Carl at that point. Right. Mike that works at Jimmy's now.
1: He was co-driving, but the only Sean ended up going to race. Sean oh, Inman. Inman. We, yep. yes, we, we, we were pitting for him and we were pitting for, uh, Jack Childers. Oh, I've
0: not heard that name in years either.
1: Yep. So we were pitting for them. I mean, literally we had our camper, you know, our pit was set up on like the start finish, the straightaway to leave town. Right. That's, we were camping right there. It was amazing. You know, and it's funny that, you know, I I go from that point to 12, 13, 14. I raced. And for some reason, my car did not want to go past mile 80 at all. I don't know why it mile 80 got me every single year around that 81 mark. I was done. Then I co drove with Lindsay Seiler, which was at the moment Clay's ex wife. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. So at the time it was a wife. Now it's an ex wife. But I co drove with her in a UTV, and then that I think that was fifteen. And then I I co drove with Rowdy in fifteen, and we finished it that year. It was his first time racing it, and ended up finishing it. So then what, what happened to him? We got
0: off on him a, a little bit ago. He, I, I saw he ran for public office at one point and then I kind of never, the, the, my funniest rowdy story is when Wacker bought my car, he called me a day or two later and wanted, uh, wanted a, basically a finder's fee, like that he would he helped sell my car and wanted me to pay him for it. And I was like, I didn't, you weren't even a part of this conversation. Like, <laughs> like n- I've not talked to you about this at all. Well, apparently he was standing there and I don't know. And I still to this day, don't know if he was joking, like messing with me or he was serious. I could not tell you, but it was, Hey, your car sold. I talked Wacker into it. You owe me money. And I couldn't tell if it was serious or joking. I still don't know.
1: Oh, Rowdy's such a good guy, man. Like I randomly talked to him. It's really, it's really random, but he's that, he's that guy that I always say he's that, he knows how to poke at people, I guess, and, and it just makes the stories funny. Same way with you. Like if you catch up if you're talking to somebody in conversation, you all are just that mindset and I would call it witty enough to like you if you sold a car, you'd be like, Hey, I'm gonna call and poke this guy and say, Hey, you owe me money because I just sold your car. I want a commission but, check off of it, right? Like That's hey, what I thought. Hey ta- you, yeah, you st- hey, ter- hey Terry, can you uh can you go ahead and send me those of Jesse over this way like you know same same scenario but you know, he's he's a good guy man I mean and I, he just I think he just got it to where it got for the expenses and the time away from home and he just got to where he's like man I just want to hang out with my family and that's where he just sold everything off and he just he's hanging out with his family and I haven't talked to him in a while and I feel bad for saying that but yeah he sold everything off and concentrated on business and taking care of his family in general. So
0: I'm, I'm envious of that. I mean, there's some days I'm even more envious than others, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I sold out a couple, I've sold off of off-road racing multiple times now. I'm a, re- yeah. I'm a repeat quitter. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh right. yeah. So yeah. Good, good dude. So you race KOHA a couple times and then in 16, that's where we go sailing. I go to the, the BV. No, no, the, the, the Leewards or the windwards. which islands did we get to? We went to some islands with you. I don't
1: remember. Yeah. It was, it was the ultra five trip. Yeah, the ultra what, 5? November November of of sixteen. I yeah. just I just started working for Dave in sixteen, and and they did that ultra five trip. And man, what a what a crazy time that was of dinghy boat racing and flags getting sailed and <laughs> like yeah, dead chickens Winger, and
0: stealing boats and
1: yeah. Weird. water balloon fights sailing down the, the coast or whatever like yeah it was a good time
0: that that day we were on Anguilla, and we all got we all rented four wheelers and we we're just like a, we we're like a motorcycle get you know like you see like is the streets of philadelphia like the what do they call those boys the something other boys that that ride dirt bikes and and four wheelers up and down the streets in the ghetto like the hood yep. like what, they're called something, Rook
1: Riders or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something or, like that. But
0: that's yeah. a bunch of middle-aged white dudes
1: <laughs> <don't> riding four-wheelers <laughs> from from coast to coast because Terry was using Lead Nav to get us around the whole whole island. Right? Yeah, he's we're, like, and we oh, bar we can hop. take this street and oh, well, now we're we're at the end of the island. Let's go to the other end again.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we're bar hopping around the island of Anguilla and. We we went down down some some road and I see this dead chicken right dead chicken and I make a mental note I'm like man if we come back by here I'm gonna stop and grab that dead chicken <laughs> and I'm gonna stash it on Terry's boat like that's where this dead chicken was gonna go well we end up coming back by there like three hours later I stop I get that chicken I'm like well what the where am I gonna put this dead chicken so I. The seat of the four-wheel ATV pops off and there's the air box. I shut this dead chicken in. <laughs> <laughs> and mind you, right? We've been drinking for four or five hours, right? You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's been all day. I mean, that's what we're doing. We get back to the boat. I got this dead chicken. I've got it in a baggie. And then I threw it into the, hanging off the back of the catamarans were these barbecue pits, these chrome barbecue pits. I throw it in there. And my thought is that night we're going to swim over. And I'm dive down and duct tape it or zip tie its neck to the anchor. Right. To the, uh, right. Cause we were, we were anchored up. We weren't on a, their boat wasn't on a buoy. And so when they pull this thing up, this dead chicken's going to come up on the anchor chain when they pull it up. That's my plan. Only we drank too much that night. I forget to do it. And the thing stays in the, in the barbecue. And the next day we do that, the race to, where did we race to, uh, St. Bart's. We Saint raced, to, yes. raced to St. Bart's and we're about, I don't know, half, halfway to St. Bart's Dave, Dave, Col- Dave's driving at this point and the wives are down there, you know, hanging out in the galley area and they get whiffs of this dead animal. <laughs> and finally someone goes, the hell is that smell? And then they figure it out, and they're like, I get yelled at. And, uh, they realize we have this dead chicken. All the guys knew we had the dead chicken we gave the dead chicken a sea burial. So it never ended up on Terry's boat (laughs) plan ruined plan. Absolutely ruined. But man, that was a good, that was really the first time I'd hung out with you. Like I, I knew who you were, but hanging out with you. And then, uh, so then your girlfriend from Austin, Lindsay, she was on there and she was so sweet. And then, we just ripped it, partied, and had. I mean, that was that was probably one of the best vacations I've had with with buddies. Like that was a damn. Had the
1: wig party going. There's some pictures of that of us floating around there somewhere. I don't know where those came from.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, there was a party every night, so there was always always good pictures. But yeah, the the wig out party. You know, the tribe crew. Adam Shear. Well, I think it's mostly Clarissa. I feel like she's the planner, so she carries around the the, the bags of wigs, and they get pulled out at the beach or well anywhere and they'll have that night where, what do we do? We,
1: we wig out. Yep. <laughs> we wig out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, that was, that was a good trip that we definitely need to uh, bring that one back.
0: Well, we've done so. it a couple of times since, but it just never matched up to that first one. You know, one year the water was real cold. The next year there'd been a hurricane had gone through there and really muddied everything up. We went back with a group in August, a couple of years ago, and it was summertime. It wasn't wintertime. And it, it it was good. Don't get me wrong; it was good. But we only had two boats. It, but it wasn't the same trip. Yeah. So I mean, we were literally five boats, and we were like pirates every night. Somebody was something was happening to somebody every night. And then JT was on that trip, but we didn't see him for like three days because he was sick. Air quotes. <laughs> I'm air putting air quotes. He was seasick.
1: We know he was seasick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, JT
0: give that guy such Man. a hard time i love him so much though i, I texted him yesterday just to mess with him just good morning jt and then i don't know three hours later he responds back with like hey or something like that i was like like or hey what's up And i was like oh i was just thinking about you
1: <laughs> <laughs> and i left I mean, it I, you know, <laughs> you're like i'm done yeah, yeah. i'm done it, oh, oh, all
0: the good stuff, all the fun stuff. So, man, so we were talking about you working for, uh, today, you know, you're working for, uh, John Deere, uh, commercial equipment and you're, you're selling stuff. And I was going to bring up you, yeah, cause I talked to Josh West about this. Like, you know, he does proper tuning and he's tuning race cars and motors and stuff. And John Deere has been on the forefront of locking down all of their proprietary, like all their, if it's electrical, it's proprietary. And so it's really hard to diagnose. It's really hard to get them worked on. You got to haul them in. Tell me about that. Give give us the insider scoop on where you're at on that, because obviously, I mean, you're an employee, so you're going to give me the.
1: No, that's on the ag side, right?
0: Yeah, ag side. So my question is, do they so do I'm, the same for I'm commercial? Con-
1: the no, construction, I, I, the construction side. So they have it's a it's a link system, right? That that any particular machine can. Actually, if there's a check engine light, if there is anything that comes on that that codes out, and it's a pretty neat system because the the owner of the machine will actually get an email saying, "Hey, your machine just coded for whatever it was," and our service department gets an email for the with the same message so what it what the goal is is to save on that. That time of of going to check the machine out and diagnose it, and then come back to the shop for parts, so that they okay it coded for you know a sensor, so they take that sensor with them to that machine, get it fixed, and then obviously that that saves the customer some money and us some time, and we can get on to the next job. I don't know that they've gone to the fact on the construction side of locking people out of the machines because it's there's still bigger shops out there that can get into that side of it and diagnose it some, I think the new technology out maybe because I've had some conversations with some of the larger, you know, construction people that have, Hey, you know, this machine in particular, we've been reading that it has a B and C and you have to have this particular diagnostic tool to get into it. Or you have to have the software like, Hey, I've got, I've got the tool, but I don't have the software. So then you get them signed up on the software and they can get into their own machine. Okay. No, I liked, it. So, I, I
0: liked the John Deere equipment. I was behind a brand new skid steer this weekend. And I was like, man, that's a, that's a clean machine.
1: It is. It is. I, I've always played in the dirt. So this is sort of just enhancing that side of it. But I will say that I, I miss the family and I miss ultra four a lot. I definitely miss that crew. Miss hanging out with JT and, and the the people at night, you know, you, you sort of wind down and you recap your day and, and you get some good laughs out of the past, but I definitely miss the Ultra Four crew.
0: Oh, the family. Yeah. You know, my next line of questions is around what you've kind of been doing since. You know, once you you walked away from Ultra Four a little over a year ago, you were in Tennessee. I think you bought some land. You had some some plans for doing some tours or, or something along those lines. Walk me through that. Tell me about. Didn't you buy? Was it a two and a half ton or a five ton that we were talking about? Because you reached out to me about military stuff.
1: I bought a five ton truck, thinking that I was going to bring people in the back of the five ton truck to the property and they could go camping or mountain biking or whatever they wanted. And then the first trail I took it up, it was like, you know, a five ton truck obviously is huge on this side of the mountain. And it's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Like I'm, I'm trying to put a hundred pounds of just a truck or what it would be 30,000 pounds of a truck into a five pound box. So yeah, like, I'm driving down the trails and here's trees that I'm knocking down and pushing over and they're hitting me in the face. And I'm like, this is stupid. So like, why am I doing this again? And I I don't know. We we ended up selling that truck off. Like it was a good, solid truck, loved it, but it just wasn't functioning correctly or, or what we wanted to do. So, but yeah, I mean, in the, in the meantime, after leaving ultra four, you know, me and some business partners, we ended up buying about 300 acres on the side of this mountain, that touch, almost probably 40,000 acres of national forest. And that's, and is that great smokies? No. Th- so we're East of that. It'd be the Appalachian mountain chain or, or, okay. or mountains like they go up the coast. It'd be in inside of that, but Johnson City's doing a very good job now at trying to get people to outdoor recreate, you know, here is mountain bike parks and here's white water rafting in the area. And, We're trying to work with the local community and, you know, Hey, here's a, here's a park that we want to bring a family atmosphere to. And, you know, you think of KOH and everybody gets around the campfire at night. So we want to do something like that. Like, Hey, on Saturday nights at seven o'clock, there's going to be a fire. If you're from Florida, Alabama, California, whatever, if you're on this property, then come hang out at the fire and get get to know everybody on the, on the mountain. But it's not going to be a free for all. It's going to be more of a, a limited, you know, crowd of, hey, if there's 50 vehicles on it, then, hey, there's 50 vehicles on the mountain for right now. If we can work with forestry and we can work with the counties to open up the public land, you know, that that we pay taxes on and and get 40,000 acres of riding, yes, by all means, let's let's rock and roll and teach people. and, And at the end of the day, just get people back outside and get, interacting, get them away from screens. Right. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what, what comes of that. You know, it's one of those, Hey, here's a needless pitch of anybody that wants to get involved sponsor wise, like call me, let's do something.
0: (laughs) Well, and especially like you just got approval. I mean, the the president yesterday spoke about you guys that to cut, you know, outside outside, you don't need a mask anymore. And they were specifically talking about you, Jeremy, and come outside to your park outside of johnson city tennessee and recreate you don't need a mask at your park
1: (laughs) at all you know come hang out
0: (laughs) Uh, Uh, that that, that stuff cracks no uh i mean i love the idea i love where you guys are going with it and and based on where you guys can draw your crowd from in that part of the world i think you guys shouldn't have trouble doing a family oriented almost a jeeping dude ranch
1: yeah yeah Like put, put some kind of outdoor concert area where some people come in and play, play music and enjoy it. And just sit down and have a good time. You know, less stress in, in lives now. Right. (laughs) Low key acoustic sessions. Yes. Yes. We'll we'll get, we'll get Lance Gilbert up there at some point and get him to jam out. That dude can rock, but he will not get on stage. And I don't know why he can play the guitar and sing, but he just, he won't get him. I'm calling you out, Lance. You're going to, you're going to be on stage soon we'll put him up at koh
0: well uh, you know I, I i talked to him at koh about you know he need, i need to get him on i mean i've I've known lance since way you know way early in the psc days and this is all new information i didn't know he sang didn't know he played a guitar
1: I, i've never if you sit down and talk to one person about music bands their original roots like he is a machine like Oh Pearl Jam, oh yeah, Pearl Jam came from Soundgarden and Temple the Dog and blah blah blah. And he goes back to there like ten years old, like he knows all of that music music genre. Like I'm like, how do you know this? He goes, uh, I like music. Okay, you know, like, but yes, just a dictionary of of music and and where they came from. So I always go to him every time I th- I need something new to listen to. I go to him and say, hey, you know, like, what do you got new for me? And he'll shoot me some some new bands and and new stuff to listen to.
0: Well, and since you got away from ultra four, you haven't stopped wheeling. You've got a, you've got a pretty sweet, really sweet ass J 10 truck that military
1: talk to me about that thing. Rooftop tent. I ended up, so I committed to Adam Shear and, and Clarissa called me randomly one night and Adam called me, sent me a picture at the same time of, Hey man, I just signed up for the red clay rally and the red clay rally that i know zach very well and i was like yeah i know that guy man like it we, we can go run that that's a fun time and committed to it i had the plans of building like a more of a lexus g i had a gx 470 that i put a you know kit on and and i took it willing a couple times and man it was just too nice of a rig to do anything with it and ended up selling it off and, and it was getting closer and closer to the time of going to red clay and I was sort of flipping out because it's like, man, I told Adam and Clarissa, you know, I'm doing this and I'm gonna have to back out. What what's going on? So I thought about it and I ca- I called Tom Allen with PSC and I was like, hey man, do you still have this truck? Oh yeah, man, it's sitting in my barn. Do you have any interest in selling that truck? I don't know, maybe let me call you back and he called me back and we i went down and drove it and we worked a deal out and i brought it back up here and did you know basically just a nut and bolt check on it and change fluids and we built a rack back here uh in the back of the shop and bfe area bfe tents lucero man he he he's like man check my tent out and we threw it back there and it was a good fit and we went and ran the red clay rally and and we used adam and i we we sat up here the night before and had all the gps download and just like are, are we taking this serious like are we really going to do this time distance speed and and calculate all this and we're like no nah, what we'll just, we'll just run the gps we don't care if we want to stop and eat somewhere by the side of the road we're just going to stop and eat or whatever we want to do it's just going to be a good time and we ended up like 11th 12th like out of 150 teams you know just like hey man we're just going to we're just here to we're here to party right number number one rule (laughs) what's the number one rule to party
0: (laughs) and you win and then you kind of almost won right
1: yeah i mean so that in turn adam gets back and he goes man i want to build i want to build like a like a cheapster i was like i got just yeah i got just I, i you know like i was like i've got a tub and i've got all kinds of spare parts let's make this happen and i took a trip down there and just threw a bunch of parts off at Tribe, and now you see the full Jeepster build or Jeepster build going on. And man, he's just—he's on another level. Like he just—he makes stuff happen. And, and October of this year, we'll end up doing the Red Clay Rally again. I'm—I'm I'm trying to call some people out. You know, I've, I've called uh, Josh out with Off the Grid, to see if he'll come hang out with us. And I just called Matt Howell out, to see if he'll—he'll if he'll come out. And you, come on out. Let's do the rally.
0: I can't even spell red or clay.
1: <laughs> Let's do the rally, man. It's it's eight hundred miles over three days, and you 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 start in Kentucky and you end up in West Virginia, Virginia, Tennessee, and and it's it's on and off road, and it's it's a good time.
0: That does sound like fun. Uh, where can I find yeah. information on that? Is there literally a website, it, it, Red Clay red, Rally? Yeah,
1: red rally dot com. Huh. So I think this year he's doing it a little different. I talked to him the other day where instead of having to sort of pack up every single day and being in different locations, he's having like a base camp and you can, yeah. Like, so you, you, you can tow there and then you just, you go out, out every day and you complete your course and then you come back and you can have camp set up and established instead of, uh, having to pack it up every single morning and, you know, unpack it every night. So it's a, it's a neat concept, man. I, I like it a lot. And, there's teams from Venezuela that ship in cars to do this red clay rally.
0: Man, I'm looking, I'm actually on their website now, 600 miles of Appalachia. Yeah. I don't see pictures of you, so this can't be real. I think you guys faked your pictures. Never mind, found you. Wow. <laughs> Texas plates, even. Yeah, I'm running
1: Texas plates on a Texas truck. Come on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there's Clarissa and uh, Lindsay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. God, that is a good looking truck, though, man.
1: I will say that putting it, I put some Hutchinson beadlocks on it, and some Nitto's, and again, I just did a nut and bolt on it, and put the BFE tent. And man, you, you can do seventy, eighty mile an hour down the road because it's got an it's got an eight one, you know, fuel injected motor in it, four L eighty Atlas tons.
0: Oh, so it's built pretty nice. I'm sitting here thinking that yeah. it's uh the it's something of a beater. You know, you're actually you know vintage on this thing. No, no, you're.
1: No, it, it, Tom did it right. I mean, it was on like the 2008 ultimate adventure. I think it was 08, 07, 08. It's got a sticker on it, but he took it on the ultimate adventure and rocked it out there. And he dropped that big motor in it. And and I I picked it up. I was, I was lucky, man. Like Matt Howe, as soon as I got it, he calls me. He goes, I didn't even know that was for sale. Like, I'm, I'm pretty pissed at you right now that you ended up with that. Like, will you sell it to me? And I was like, I don't know how much you give me. (laughs) It's like yeah, the, everything's your sale. And he's like, No, 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 no. I know you, so no 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 no. I'm like, come on, Matt. If you how bad do you want it? <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah, right it's, at it's, his alley. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun truck. I mean, I it's a very fun truck. I'm honestly probably gonna order a, a fiberglass hardtop for it and start driving it around in the winter.
0: All right. What's next for you, man?
1: I don't know. Like you you know, that's
0: you can't stay away. That's why I've got you on here is because yeah, you're running around I'm, you're running around with Clyde. And SRS, you've talked to me about, you know, maybe having some bouncers, interviewing some bouncers on the show. And it's kind of not my genre. It's not my jam. I know Timmy Cameron, that's the guy I know. Outside of that, I don't. Maybe I need to get a guest host that knows that world and then has those guys on and they can be, you know, talent tanked bouncers. I don't know what that looks like, but you asked me about it.
1: I'm sure you've heard Bobby Tanner. Oh yeah. I met Bobby Tanner. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's that side of it. And you know, it's, it's funny whenever you called and ask about this, like I, I went all the way back to the teleco days, like whenever teleco was open and you could go down there. And I remember there was a, what I would call a bouncer now was there was a guy named bud. And that's the only reason why I just remember him, bud, but he had the Rockwell's on 54s and man, he just didn't care. He was just this older dude. and, and that's where I said, that's where rock bouncing started was with Bud at Teleco. And then obviously you get into Timmy doing the fat girl, Willie, and, you know, Mad Ram 11, Cole Shirley, you know, it takes off from there. And then you, you throw into the, some of the crazy Cole works design buggies that just, you know, the, the, the time on those. And I, I don't know, like some of that stuff's crazy. And then Adam Woodley. Can't yeah, forget Adam, Adam Woodley was, in that conversation. Oh man, yeah, like that. Dude, again, an, another mind of his own, and and I I literally remember seeing that blower buggy, and he was driving it, and I think Stan Haynes was with him. I was like, dude, this is just a work of art. You know, like the time and effort and what you comes out of your head is it's amazing. So yeah, and then the, what you have is redneck rocket ship now, and and you know, and unfortunately, what happened to West. But man, I was I was looking forward to seeing West put on a show this year because that, that dude's just insane he'll climb anything along with all those guys have you heard any updates on wes i i haven't so his mom has been putting the updates up the most and the last one I she's doing daily updates the last thing i heard was he was breathing on his own they're still changing out dressings and stuff but he's doing a lot better i mean he is he's obviously he's conscious and they said that, that she the last update was he gets aggravated when they start moving him around a little bit but you know it, it, he's doing he's doing a lot better yes
0: okay that's damn good to hear uh, yeah. such a such you know just a heartbreaker to, to have seen that happen yep yeah
1: so, but i mean future wise i don't know like i got to race in the baja 1000 this past year with jt i was navigating for him right and pat sims truck man that that whole that, that wilson crew tim wilson jeff and all those guys they they took care of us and I would definitely do that again. <laughs> we go back Hent, to the JT, mail, right? Like, yeah, I, I would go back to that that right seat and, and go racing you know, the WFO crew. You know, I, I put on your list that I would like to to get in the driver's seat and go race some bucket list races. But the more I thought about it, man, I, like going back to the family side, like I'd rather get in a, in a trail rig and get a big group of people together and once a year, like just go will somewhere. If it's Hot Springs, Arkansas, if it's wherever like take big trips like that you just go hang out and and relax because we you know all of us work so hard during the day that you know you take you throw racing in on top of that and that's that's even more stressful sometimes than just general day-to-day you know lay it down and and absolutely i think i'd go back to, to trail riding and and hanging out in the woods with friends leaf looking yeah, yes, it, exactly. Leaf yeah. looking.
0: Yeah, man. The the racing kinda yeah, I was never a crawler. I've gone, you know, gone wheeling in Clayton and gone, you know, Green Acres and you know to Disney and I've gone trail riding, you know, Wolf Caves and some of the stuff here around Texas. I've done it. It is not my thing. Like I just have no, no interest. Like I get there now, my friends are there and we're drinking beer. Yeah, man, I'd no other place in the world I'd rather be. But yeah. But if we're gonna do this, like why don't we do it at a lake on a boat, you know,
1: <laughs> and, and, <laughs> why not rotate, you know, why not, why not rotate it? It's hey let's, let's go, let's go sailing or go to the, you know, Virgin islands during the winter and, you know, come spring, let's go Willing somewhere. And then, yeah, like, let's hit Gene, let's grandfather Tom, let's go see Gene and have a Sue. you know, like let's go out there on the lake, why Not, you know,
0: it's something we need to f- figure it out though. But yeah, I, I don't know. It seems like you, I know you guys, you and Lindsay don't have kids, but you know, my kids are, you know, it's every other weekend is a baseball tournament. And then we've got horses. My daughter got stepped on by her horse last night. The first time ever stepped right on her foot and she's 10 years old. First time it was bad. But then this morning it was arguments about wearing tennis shoes to school because of how bad her foot hurt. It was swollen. Oh, wow. Little kid story. We talked about horses earlier, but sorry, I had to get that in there, but that's where we're at. It's just, it's hard. Tiffany, you know, my wife, uh, it's hard to get away for any time when you don't have they're not old enough to be, you know, self-sufficient, but they're old enough that nobody wants to take them in. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, kids they ruin everything right <laughs> yeah uh, they're,
0: they're totally worth it but then you know so we've got a f- yeah. we've got a few more years before we get you know a lot of freedom but anyway off that subject <laughs> off that subject i d- don't want to run them in the ground all right man as we close this out i've got a question for you send it what are your three favorite songs
1: oh man I heard this. You you asked, Goodbye be this?" And I was like, "Man, I'm going to get ready for this." And I completely forgot about it. I don't know that. Like, man, I'm pretty pretty random on music because of Lance. I don't know that I have songs and necessarily like Austin. I will say, "Open my eyes" a lot because you could go see bands whenever you wanted to for twenty bucks down there, right? And still can. And amazing, yeah, amazing, folks. Yeah. So I, I would lean towards like more bands in general like in my playlist right now i'm on like if i need something to get beat you know like beat me up a little bit and get energized then um i'm probably going to go towards like incubus i just like i like a lot of their songs if i'm sort of mellow i went and saw a band in in asheville north carolina like they're called mount joy i don't know why but i just just their whole two three albums of theirs love them and then there's a band out of austin that is called the wheeler brothers they're not a band anymore like they they actually went into construction side and but the wheeler brothers i I like them a lot growing up it was always pearl jam and you know that side of it i never got into rap a lot i just i just wasn't there texas country signed me up like the Bob Snyder's that not necessarily Texas country, but he's just that, that Texas guy and give me some Sturgill Simpson, you know, that, that side. Yes. I'm good with that.
0: Yeah. I'm currently I'm on a, there's a girl. I, I think I want to say she's out of maybe Stephenville, Texas, somewhere in that part of the world, you know, like and if it is Stephenville, I'm right. I think that's the where she went to school at, but you know, that's where like Ty Murray, where his ranch is, you know, Ty Murray was married to Jewel. This yep. girl's name is Kat hasty k-a-t hasty h-a-s-t-y and i caught wind of her maybe a week ago ish on on amazon music it it showed her music to me i'm listening like and this is pretty good some of her songs are you know guy hate songs you know similar to uh like taylor swift I, you no. know taylor's or like guy. so some of them i'm like yeah i'm out on this but i like her voice and i like you know she's got good good beat and tone but then I read an interview cause I'm like, okay, who's this, who is this girl? And, and one of my interviews, she basically says, if you guys knew who a lot of my songs are about, the guy that it's about, you guys would make fun of me and never listen to it again. I I'm an idiot. This guy, he's not song worthy. And I wrote all these songs and now they're good. And so I, wow, I found that to be funny that, you know, she wrote a bunch of songs to help get her through bad times and it turns out everyone kind of likes them cause they can associate with them, but that's not why I listen. I just think she has a, a really good voice and she's had some fun stuff, but uh, okay. So, yeah. so we, let's go. By, I, I uh, don't know.
1: I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the, like <laughs> I grew up and, and I mean, we were everywhere on songs. Like could be said, it just depending on where you're at and what you're doing and
0: in the, in the uh, middle yeah. place where you're at mentally, like if you're, well, he, he says he doesn't listen to it while he's driving down the road. I, I bounce back and forth between like, I listen to podcast in the morning like news stuff, financial stuff, or business stuff. I listen to something along those lines. And then my commute's long enough that when that ends, the, the, there's a couple of shows I listen to. They're all in like about the 30 to 40-minute range. And then I've yeah. got another 20 minutes. So I kind of music out for that last 20. But then coming home, I'm either on the phone with guys like you or Goodby, or I'm, I'm talking to people I, or business meetings. I, I will talk on the phone all the way home. But if I'm not, then I'll turn it on, and it's on Texas country. That's it. And, yep. and that allows 94.9, to-
1: the ranch. <laughs> so that came, right, that came up right on, on
0: Facebook the other day. Who? Where was that sticker at? Somebody, stick, somebody stickered a door somewhere. Oh, it was the Rufus Racing Crew. It was at the Rufus Grill. It was this, all the stickers on the door. And one of the stickers on the door was 94.5, the ranch. And I'm like, yep. I have the app. I have that app in my phone because for the longest time, well, in Houston, granted it is Texas. We didn't have Texas music on the radio. Well, now we have our, it's on the HD channels. So the country station has HD one and HD two and HD three. So it's on the HD three of both of the country channels, but my pre-runner doesn't have HD radio. So I didn't, I don't get
1: that. <laughs> and you realize what you just said. My pre-runner doesn't have HD radio. <laughs> what a- <laughs> Uh-huh. My free runner, yeah. Uh, oh well, uh, you have such a hard life, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Dude, I did buy a commuter. I have a commuter car right now, but uh, it <laughs> but no, I w- I was commute. I would drive that thing a hundred miles a day round trip, and that freaking truck is still on forty inch Nittos, six two liter, all the travel. There's nothing funner than that thing in process. I call it processing traffic. It's five, you're five lanes wide of traffic and you just processes it you just process as fast as, you know, everyone's rolling. I mean, (laughs) yeah, the the speed limit's 65, but I mean, that's a, that's an idea. That's a, that's a, everyone, you know, in Texas, it's again, five lanes wide, six lanes wide, some places, and you're, everyone's going 80. And so you just go 87 or eight and you just. You weave. (laughs) You just process, and then you get mad at yourself when you process a bad lane, and you lose a spot or two or three or ten, and you're then you're just cussing at yourself like, "Damn, I knew better than to get behind the silver import. I saw it. I knew (laughs) silver import bad, and I still pulled up behind it." And they,
1: you'd be like the Cody Cody Wagner. He always gets behind the Prius. Get out of the way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the left left. That's the no. We have the left lane. It doesn't even have to be a Prius anymore. These people. All over the country, though, you can be, doesn't matter if you're West Texas, where it's the 90, you know, like where you're rolling. Now, there'll be somebody just parked in the left lane, just yep. driving speed limit. You're, what is this? Anyway, well, hey, as we're, well, I'm, I'm done with you, but
1: I, mean, I, did I we, we come, could go on for hours and I mean, hours. We can, right? that, that's the I don't problem. even know that we accomplished. I don't know that we checked anything off of your list that you sent me to pre (laughs) pre pre-game this one, right? It's like, Oh, we'll just talk for a while. (laughs) No, we did. We
0: told a ton of great stories. It wasn't scripted. It was and I love catching up with you, but was there anything that we missed that you wanted to make sure absolutely off the bottom of your heart and the top of your head that you wanted to get out there and that we didn't cover?
1: I think I'm good. Honestly. I I mean, we covered about everything. I mean, it's, it's, your your questions were good. They made me think a little bit, you know, it definitely made me miss ultra four. But at the same time, you know, the, the one question that got me was there was what was the hardest lesson, I think, was one of your questions that you've learned in life. Is that it, right? Maybe. That, I'm, you know, I'm, it, it's
0: I'm not good to divulge my questionnaire. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, okay joking. So, I'm joking. I'm joking. So,
1: <laughs> I, I think that was one of your questions. But it, You know, like for anybody out there that needs to hear it, it's self-worth you know like determine what your value is to the people around you and don't ever lower yourself to whatever just to to make people happy keep keep your standard high and always do the right thing and and value what you have to give to everybody around you that that's what I'll leave with so self worth
0: oh those are, those are words to live by absolutely so yeah well Jeremy Thank you, for, uh, thank you for being a good friend. Thank you for, uh, you know, the, the, all the years that you worked at Ultra 4 and all the courses you helped build, and all the events you helped put on and, and made, making memories for everyone that listens to this show and in our genre and helping build the genre and then continuing on with what you're, you've got going at, uh, with SRS with Clyde, man. Glad to know you in rock sports. You are one of my you are one of my favorite people to to hang hang out with and drink beer. With. I drink Fireball with as well. Um, all, all, <laughs> all those yeah.
1: Things. Thanks for putting me on podcast. Right, like I always look, drove down the road either talking on the phone or listening to music. Now now I started listening to podcasts and gotten you know went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but See, it's good. It's an education.
0: And then now you don't have JT hanging this over you, right? Because JT took your spot originally back at episode fifteen something like that
1: yeah episode we, we did have it set up I yeah i remember agreeing to coming on and then i ended up bouncing out of ultra four and jt took my spot yeah yep.
0: and he was supposed to be episode i believe seven and then we recorded it you know it was it you know, it, it just wasn't it wasn't a good interview it was he was in a different place uh you know we just lost jesse combs yeah. speaking about her uh but and so we scratched it right and we did it again and it was so much better but uh Uh, yeah, it ended up being your spot. And and so here we go. You know, it took us a little while to get back to you, but I'm glad to have had you on, man. Thank you.
1: I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. I, you know, great. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And on that note, we're out. Thank you for listening and taking a dive into the talent tank. Please like, and subscribe on Instagram at the talent tank or our website, the